Welcome, I'm Nestor Flores, the pastor of Dayspring Church in Mission Hills, California. Thank you for tuning in to our podcast. I want to invite you to learn more about Dayspring Church by visiting our website, dayspringmh.org. We trust that if you open your heart, God will speak to you and you'll know how to live a life with God at the center that will result in a blessed life. This message will inspire, build your faith, and help you to know God better. Enjoy the message. Good evening and welcome. You know, I'm so glad that you're staying connected to your home church and that you are taking time out of your week to engage and connect with the Lord. We are on the last week of our fast. And what I want to do today is I want to share a message that's going to strengthen your faith, encourage your spirit, and most importantly, I hope will bring some change into your life today. I want to share on the topic of humility. But before we do that, is it okay if we start with a little bit of humor? The story tells of a church member who received recognition in his home church for being the humblest man in their church family. The church leadership one day got together and they honored him on a Sunday morning and they gave him a pin to wear to recognize how humble he was. But the following Sunday... He wore that pin, so the leaders took it away from him for saying that he was too prideful. (laughs) Let's pray, and then we'll go into God's message. Heavenly Father, as we get ready to go into your message, we want to take a time to pray for our nation. Today, mark the transition of a new administration, Lord. And while, Lord, our nation is divided because half agree in the direction the nation's going and the other half don't, I pray that we, as your children... May not forget, Lord, that no matter who's president, you are still Lord. That our hope is not in politics or in, or in law, Lord, that our hope is in you and in you alone. Father, we pray for this new administration. We pray for the new president and vice president because you tell us to. We pray that they would do well because if they do, we will also, Lord. We pray that you would give them the fear of honoring you and that you would give them wisdom. And Lord, as we go into your word, speak to us, transform us, encourage us, fill us with your truth. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. If you uh, uh, have been using our devotional book that we put out during this fast, we made those available physically and it's also available online on our website. You've noticed that there's an emphasis on humility. And we did that intentionally because as we went before God to ask him about what emphasis he wanted us to have during these 21 days, we sensed that humility was where God was leading us. And see, humility is important because humility has great power. And here's the golden nugget. Here's my thesis for this short message that I want to share with you. Humility has great power because humility influences how God relates and deals with us. Did you know that? Did you know that humility has a lot to do with how, you, how God can relate with us and what he can do for us? 
I want us to look at a few verses and I encourage you to have a physical Bible with you. You know, I know that um, most of us were fatigued from Zoom meetings and online things, but I think it's important that we still continue to value and give God all of our attention. I love what Polly said, you know, that we would give God our attention and our affection. So I hope that you, uh, whether you're in your bedroom, in your car, maybe outside in your patio, that you would grab a Bible and that you would follow along with me and that we would study God's word together. Uh, We're going to look at a few verses, but I want to start with one that you very likely heard during these times. And that's 2 Chronicles 7, 14. Let me give you a little bit of the context because I think many times this verse is taken out of context and it's important to know what's going on to understand the message. Solomon has just finished building the temple. And the temple was a big deal for God's people. Their identity, their their everyday life revolved around the temple. And Solomon had been chosen by God to build a temple for him. So after it is done, Solomon throws a big celebration to inaugurate the temple and to dedicate it to God. And we read that after it was all said and done, that that the building had taken place and the celebration had taken place, that God appeared to Solomon at night. Now, if you know your Bible, you know that this is not the first time that God appears to him at night. And look at what verses 12 through 16 tell us. If you have your Bibles, would you open them to 2 Chronicles 7? And we're going to begin in verse 12 and 16. This is God speaking and he says, I have heard your prayer and have chosen this temple as the place for making sacrifices. At times I might shut up the heavens so that no rain falls or command grasshoppers to devour your crops or send plagues among you. Then, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sins and restore their land or heal their land, says another version. Verse 15 says, My eyes will be open and my ears attentive to every prayer made in this place. For I have chosen this temple and set it apart to be holy, a place where my name will be honored forever. I will always watch over it, for it is dear to my heart. Now, most of us, we know verse 14. But did you catch verse 13? Let me read it to you once again. It says, at times, and this is God speaking, after he says, I've accepted this temple. I've recognized this temple. I've heard your prayer. Look at what he says. At times, I might shut up the heavens so that no rain falls or command grasshoppers to devour your crops or send plagues among you. This is one of the reasons this verse has been quoted a lot during this pandemic. And you know, When such things take place, how does God expect his people to respond? Well, that's where verse 14 comes into play. And he says, then if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and restore or heal their land. You know, in verse 14, we find seven actions, four by us and three by God. Let's look at them. 
Let's begin with the actions of God. The things that this verse promises that God would do for his people. And the three actions is that God promises to hear, to forgive, and to heal. God promises to hear, to forgive, and to heal. Now, here's something that you need to understand. We need to understand that these promises carry specific application for the people of Israel. But that they also apply to you and I in a general sense. Because God has promised to hear our prayers in other verses. God has promised to forgive our sins. God has promised to restore, to heal where we need healing. And, and now, how, how should our response be? How is it that, 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 what is it that we need to do in order for God to do these things? Well, this verse, verse 14, mentions four actions that the people of God should do. And he says that we are to humble ourselves, that we are to pray, that we are to seek his face. And by the way, fasting is a way of doing that. And that we are to turn from our wicked ways. In other words, that we are to repent. Now, listen to me. I want to make the argument tonight that humility, which is the first thing that verse 14 mentions, is an attitude first and then it leads to actions. That humility is more than an action. It is an attitude. See, humility uh, is an attitude first because you can have an outward appearance of humility but have a heart full of pride and arrogance. And I don't think humility is mentioned first by coincidence or by accident. I think God knows what he's doing and is intentional because humility is a catalyst that ignites the following actions. Humility is a catalyst that will ignite other godly actions in you. And see, humility leads us to take action to make certain choices towards God. See, we won't pray, we won't seek his face, we won't repent if we are not willing to humble ourselves. But this verse says that if we humble ourselves and if we pray and if we seek his face and if we repent, that God promises to hear, to forgive, and to heal. Now, many people are believing, and I say believing because I don't think it's the full equation. Some people are believing and even claiming in faith that God is going to hear, to forgive, and to heal. And let me tell you, it's good that you do that. But that's not all you should do. You shouldn't just believe and claim. This verse tells us that we need to humble ourselves. And that we ought to have an attitude of humility that leads us to praying, to seeking Him, and to change into repenting from our evil ways. You know that James also echoes the message of 2 Chronicles 7.14? If you have your Bibles, go to James chapter 4, verse 7 to 10. And as you may know by now, James is uh, one of my favorite books. Uh, John is my favorite gospel. But James is one of my favorite books because James kind of encompasses the whole gospel in his book. And he just talks about an array of uh, topics. And in chapter 4, verses 7 through 10, look at what he says. As scripture says, 
God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So humble yourselves before God. Did you catch that? God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So humble yourselves before God. And then he goes on to say, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come close to God. In other words, seek God. Come close to God and God will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts you, for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. Does that sound like repent? Does that sound like, like churn from your wicked ways? It does. And then verse 9 says, let there be tears for what you have done. Let there be sorrow and deep grief. Let there be sadness instead of laughter and gloom instead of joy. And then verse 10. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up in honor. Did you see that? Did you see how humility leads to certain actions which in respond uh, influence the way God connects, relates, and what he does for us? Peter also speaks about the importance and the power of humility. In 1 Peter 5.5, 5, you don't have to go there. We'll put it on the screen. Look at what it says. It says, all of you, clothe yourselves. In other words, put on. It's a decision. It's an attitude. What he's about to tell us to do. He says, clothe yourselves with humility towards one another. Why, Peter? Because God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. How important how powerful is humility? Well, once again, it determines how God relates, how God deals with us. See, James and Peter tell us that God opposes the proud, that God is against those filled with pride. Why? Well, because pride keeps you from recognizing God, from recognizing that you need him. Pride will keep you from seeking him. Pride will keep you from making him uh, a, a devotion. God, pride will keep you from asking for his help. And ultimately, and finally, pride ends up separating you from God. Putting you at odds with God, in opposition to God. James tells us that God opposes. In other words, he fights against. He is against those filled with pride. And obviously pride is the opposite of humility. So if God opposes the proud, what does he do to those who are humble? Well, we're told that God favors them. That God is for them. That God lifts them in honor. That God fights for them. That God defends them. See, humility puts you in God's corner. And humility allows you, allows your prayer to reach God. It allows for your sins to be forgiven. It allows for restoration and healing to happen in your life. Why? Why does humility does such things? Well, because it leads us to God. Humility puts us in the right place and God in the right place. Humility allows us to see that we're sinners and that it, the answers are not within us, but that they are found in God. Humility puts God on your corner fighting for you.
And you may be wondering, well, pastor, I know humility, but how could we define humility, especially biblically speaking? Well, I'll let Paul define humility for us. If you would open your Bibles to Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 and 4, in there Paul speaks about how we are to relate and how uh, the sacrifice of Christ and the work of Christ ought to have an impact on us. And in chapter 2, verses 3 and 4, he says the following, and I believe this is a great definition. This is a great picture of what humility is. He says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interest of others. So let me ask you this question. Do you want God on your corner? Do you want God to extend his grace and favor? Do you want God to hear our prayers, to forgive our sins, and to restore and bring healing? If we want that in our families, in our church, in our nation, well, then we need to humble ourselves. We need to put God first, not just in belief and in thought, but through actions. And we need to submit to him. So what I want to do next is I want to share just a few ways, some very practical ways that you can practice humility, that you can practice humbling yourself. Let me share them with you. Number one, the first way to humble ourselves is to routinely confess your sins to God. See, we all sin. Well, very few of us have a routine of practicing self-honest examination before God. See, we need to do this on a routine basis. Whether it's weekly or better, even daily, we need to review our heart. We need to review our behavior. And we need to confess to God any sin that may be in our lives. Because doing so, will keep you humble and will keep you close to God. The second way to practice humility is to be quick to forgive. Forgiveness is possibly one of the greatest acts of humility we can do because forgiveness is self-denial. To forgive is to release the wrong that has been done to us and to also release our right to, to, to ask for a repayment or to take revenge for the wrong done to us. When you're humble, you're more prone to be willing to forgive. And in some cases, it's not forgiving, but being humble enough to ask for forgiveness. I know that if you're married, the tendency tends to be that there's always one who, who tends to be the one to always ask for forgiveness. Well, I want to tell you that both parties ought to practice humility and asking for forgiveness. And I don't know, you say, well, it's mainly his fault or her fault. It doesn't matter. As Christians, the Bible tells us that it doesn't matter. The Bible tells us that if someone has something against us, that we ought to go and reconcile to them. The third way that we can practice humility is by receiving correction and feedback from others graciously. See, people in our days are always criticizing everything we do. And I want to tell you that not all our critics are wrong. I know some people have a wrong view of us, a wrong opinion of us, but I want to tell you that not all your critics, that not all my critics are wrong. 
And that we need to be able to look for the kernel of truth in what people, when people uh, criticize you, when people give you feedback. And I know sometimes you say, well, it doesn't come from the right place. Well, sometimes God can use the wrong person to bring the right message. And not all your critics are wrong. So one way we can practice humility is that when we are, are corrected, that first that we receive it, that we don't get offended and go to another church because that's the tendency now, right? It's like you can't correct anybody because if you do, they end up going to another place or leaving church overall. But that we receive correction and feedback graciously. And that we ask God, God, what are you trying to show me? Number four. Another way to practice humility is to submit to authority. And let me emphasize this, the good and the bad. We submit to authority, the good and the bad. You know, culture our day doesn't value submission. It promotes independence. It promotes your rights. And you know, God tells us that we are to submit to authority. You know, you don't just submit when you're political party is, is ruling, you submit even when the opposing political party is ruling. And no, I am not talking about submitting to the point of sinning. But I am talking about submitting and recognizing the leadership, recognizing the position that God has given people. And listen, let me tell you something. David submitted to Saul, who was an evil king, and tried to kill him. And God honored that. So you're no different than David. And there's even bad bosses. There's even bad leaders. There's even bad uh, people in authority. And we still submit to them. Because in doing so, we submit to the greater authority that placed that authority over us. And that's God. The last way, the fifth way to submit, to practice humility, is to handle pride by embracing the cross. Obviously, pride is the opposite of humility, and we all deal with pride, some more than others. And you know, our sinful nature is to be prideful. That's why humility is an attitude. And the way you deal with pride is by embracing the cross. What do you mean by that, Pastor? Well, Jesus said that whoever wants to follow him needs to deny themselves and pick up the cross. In order for Jesus to go to the cross, he had to be willing to humble and deny himself. And you and I, we need to do the same. We need to daily deny ourselves so that we can live through him in humility and in his power. In closing, you know, we're nearing the end of our fast and I'm excited. I, I'm, I'm happy. And you know, fasting is an action that requires us to humble ourselves, to say no to ourselves regarding certain foods, to seek to honor God above ourselves, to recognize our need for God's help in our life, and to seek that help, not just with thought and belief, but in action. And I love, I love how during this time of fasting, we sense, we hear, we desire God more than we usually do. And I believe that happens because God is responding to our fasting. And listen, if you sense from God that he's inviting you, and in some cases he's not inviting you, he's telling you to continue fasting, 
Do it. Do it. I know fasting is not easy, but you know what's harder? Sin. You know what's harder? The world. You know what's harder? The consequences of poor actions. So I know fasting is hard, but it's also beneficial. And if God is nudging you, if God is inviting you, and in some cases, he's not inviting you, he's telling you to continue to fast, do it. Humble yourself before him. And he's going to lift you up. He's going to honor you. He's going to fight for you. His favor is going to be poured on you. And, you know, for those who, who do not sense a nudging from God to continue this fast, I want to invite you. In fact, I want to invite everybody to make fasting a habit in your life. Pick a day at least once a month, at least once a month. You know, the only time you fast shouldn't be at the beginning of the year. Fasting should be something that we do periodically. Pick a day, at least one day a, a, a month and fast. You know, I fast every Sunday. I fast every Sunday till the end of our service. And you may think, oh, pastor, that's not a true fast. You know, you're done by 1130, 12 o'clock. Well, you know how hard it is to come to church, to have to, to come to church and see people drinking coffee and having their snacks when we had the cafe. You know how hard it was to walk in there to greet them and see all those delicious pastries that I'm looking forward to having pretty soon back um, and having to say no. Do you know how hard it is to, to give breakfast to my kids and to want to take a spoon, but to say no because I have a bigger hunger, I have a bigger desire, I have a bigger need, and that's God. So if you want to join me in fasting every Sunday, I think it's a great practice. Or maybe at least the first Sunday of every month. If Sundays don't work for you, well then pick one that does. And fast. Humble yourself before God. Because when we humble ourselves, God relates with us. God fights for us. You know, in closing, we want to hear from you. We would love to hear from you how this fasting has been a blessing. Would you, would you send us a message? Would you send us an email or give us a call to our church office? We're going to put that information on the screen in case you don't have the church email or the church number. We want to be able to hear what God is doing. We want to be encouraged by the activity of God in your life. And, and we want to be able to give him glory. That's what it's about. You know, I want to share something that I am so grateful uh, towards God that's taken place during this fast. You know, my wife, She's a great mom. She's a great wife and she's a godly person and she's a sexy woman, by the way. You know, but during this fast, I've seen her level up. I've seen her go deeper with God. And I am so encouraged by her because I see her spend time in the Word of God. Together, we're reading through the whole Bible. I see her worship throughout the day as she's washing dishes or cooking. She's got worship music going on, and I hear her sing, and I, I see how she watches sermons, and I've even caught her praying on her knees, you know? And I just love how in tune she is with God. And I've seen how her attitude, I've seen how she as a whole has leveled up because she's humbled herself. She's put God first. And you know, that's been so encouraging to me. I am trusting that God is going to continue to do that wonderful work in her. And I am even asking God what, 
what's happening in her life? Would you do it to me? I want her to feel about me the way I feel about her. So how about you? What has God done in your life? How has God shown up? What has God shown you? What has God told you during this fast? Would you take some time to share it with us? Before you move on to your next activity as we end the service, would you just make it part of your response to today's message to give God glory? Communicate with us. Send us an email. Give us a call. Send us a message. Let us know what God has done. Let me pray for us, and then we'll get you going on your way. Heavenly Father, we pray that today we would have been informed and encouraged and motivated to humble ourselves, to put you first, not to put comfort, not to put convenience, not to put entertainment, not to put our children, not to put our freedom, but to put you first and foremost. And that takes a lot of humility. Father, when we do, we know that you will fight for us, that you will honor us, that you will hear, that you will forgive, and that you will restore. Father, as people, we need to humble ourselves. As a church, we need to humble ourselves. As a nation, we need to humble ourselves. So Father, help us with our pride. Help us to take our pride to the cross and crucify it and to lay down our lives, submit our lives to you, just as you laid down your life for us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Well, church, God bless you. We hope to see you Saturday for prayer. And remember, we end our fast this Sunday after our service. We're going to have a special time in His presence this Sunday. We encourage you to come join us and be with us. Let's worship together and let's encourage one another. God bless you. May His peace guard your heart and mind and may His joy be your strength.